0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades.
1: Freeze, end zone, he hit 500 career touchdown passes.
0: From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview.
1: It's great to have Ross Tucker on CMI, and thank you for uh, for tuning in, everybody. Ross, of course, played in the NFL for seven years. Uh, great stops, places like Washington, Dallas, Buffalo, the Patriots, the Browns. And he's a broadcaster now, and he'll be on the sidelines doing the radio broadcast for uh, the AFC Championship game. He also has the Ross Tucker Football podcast, and I've, I've been on his podcast before. He's just a guy. We worked together, actually, got to call a game, but I, I just love talking football with him. He's not afraid uh, to call it like he sees it. Uh, outspoken on a number of issues, which which we'll get to. And uh, Ross, said, first of all, it's good to talk to you. It's a great time of year. We've seen some great games. I'm looking forward to the uh, championship games.
0: Well, so first of all, Chris, uh, always good to talk with you, man. And I'll never forget uh, when we did that NFL game together. I think that that was, I'm trying to think, that was in fact my first time I only ever called three NFL games on television for Fox. Uh-huh. First one was you. Second was Matt Viscursion and third was uh, the next year I believe with Chris Rose, but you were awesome. It-, it was awesome to work with you. I was certainly a little bit nervous, um, you know, first time doing an NFL game, doing it with you, but it was great. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think, maybe it's Facebook or my Twitter, one of them at Ross Tucker NFL. That's still like my bio picture (laughs) is me. You know, we're on the opening segment, opening camera and me like looking at you as you're, you're teeing me up on something. So uh, that was awesome. You were great to work with and uh, not to date you, of course, Chris, but I remember, you know, watching you on up close and watching you interview people on, on uh, ESPN back in the day. So it's kind of, funny and cool to be on uh, your podcast and have you interview me now.
1: Oh, it's great! You know, back then there wasn't. Players didn't have. We were doing up close to the '90s, right? Roy Firestone created it, and then I took it over uh, for ESPN. And that, that kind of half-hour, free-flowing conversation. Athletes didn't have uh, Twitter, social media, their own websites, right? That we we didn't have the kinds of things you have now with with Instagram. And so it was really the you know the place uh, that they could go to express their voice and uh, a special show that that obviously players yeah, at that time and built up a lot of great relationships with people through the years on that show. But nice you to say, and I remember that game, it was a game in Seattle of all games to get to do, right, with the great atmosphere, something that was missing this year in the playoffs when, uh, you know, when Seattle played and the, and the Rams upset them. Uh, but, but let's, uh, you know, dive, there's a couple of different things I want to dive but The first hot topic, and I don't think that he's really going anywhere, but the Deshaun Watson story, before we get into games here, right, um, and they have to decide on a head coach, and I want to get your thoughts on some of the hires, but if you were Houston right now, and again, we don't know everything with ownership and what's coming out, Deshaun Watson to our knowledge hasn't requested a trade I think we're all guilty of kind of running with this because he's such a great quarterback. What would you, what would you do? How would you handle this? And then if you did have to trade him, you know, what, where do, where's a good place for him at a fit where you're getting what you need. If you're the Texans.
0: All good questions. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of NFL teams that are out of it now. Right. So, you know, there's only four teams left. So there's 28 teams that are done. And I, you know, like I'm sure you do as well, Chris. I do, you know, at least five to ten radio hits a week. Everyone I go on, right? Like San Francisco or wherever you go, that's Miami. all they want to talk about. That's all right, they want to talk right. about. Deshaun Watson. Like they that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was on and last week, I was on in San Francisco, and they said, Is there anybody that would be untouchable for a Deshaun Watson trade? And I thought. Well, I don't think I would do it with Bosa, but if, if it came down to it, I would. Like, if it was Bosa for Deshaun Watson straight up, I'm doing it. So then, no, there isn't anybody that's untouchable. You would not believe, Chris, people on Instagram, Niners fans calling me a clown, like, you can't have Bosa. Like, as if, as if you made the I deal. Mean, yeah, like yeah. I, I'm mean, in. I'm living in Hershey, Pennsylvania right now <laughs> in my detached garage. Do you think I have any power of it? I just think. Look, if you could get Deshaun Watson for for Nick Bosa, of course you're doing that.
1: Right. So, right. so then
0: he's not untouchable. Let's yeah. use a little bit of logic here. If the Houston Texans said, "We'll give you Deshaun straight up for Nick Bosa," Nick Bosa will be on the next flight. So let's <laughs> not even talk about that. Um, there are a lot of teams though that could use them, and it's funny because. Even as recent as five years ago, Chris, I would have said there's no chance he's going anywhere. None. Things have really changed, man. I mean, it wasn't like this. I played from 01 to 08. It wasn't like this at all. It has gotten to the point now, especially when it's face of the franchise types that are making that much money. And we just kind of saw it with James Harden. I think players are realizing in every sport if they're willing to speak out about their unhappiness, they really are able to force their way out. And, and I think it, it's possible it gets to that. I actually personally think they are going to hire a Deshaun Watson-approved head coach. Because you think about it, okay. it is so hard to get a top five, top ten quarterback like that. So hard. You cannot trade that guy. Right. You know, every team would be, I mean, half the teams would be willing to trade for him. You can't do it. He should be your guy for the next 10 years at least. I think the Texans are going to have a meeting right. and ultimately say, I don't know who that guy is. Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. Maybe it's Leslie Frazier. I don't know who their guy is. I personally believe they're going to now, Chris, hire a head coach that is Deshaun Watson approved, because that is the only thing at this point that could quell what's going on in his frustrations, and if it doesn't work out, you can fire the guy after two years. Maybe even <laughs> one year if he's that terrible, and get another guy. Get the guy you want then in a year or two, but at least in the meantime, you've sort of appeased your franchise
1: quarterback during this turbulent time. But he signed the big contract. And I guess the bigger question, and I think that's going to happen. And look, we saw Jamal, we saw players – not quite in the category of Watson, Ross, Jamal Adams, right? Forced his way out. Just what you were saying, but forced his way out of the Jets. DeAndre Hopkins out of Houston, and they didn't get enough for him, and that was a contract thing. They they invested their money in Watson, so they they felt like they couldn't keep him. But it, it sets it makes the point that you say, hey, if there's enough noise made and somebody's unhappy, but he but he signed the deal. Should a player? I mean, the the, the Packers didn't check with. Aaron Rodgers, when they hired Matt LaFleur, people made a lot of noise about that. And look how well that's worked out. I mean, you're I, I think if you're a key player and you tell me you, you should have a voice, but I don't know if you should have a say necessarily, but maybe maybe the, things have changed. As you're saying, the ownership says we better keep Deshaun happy. So whoever we hire has to be a guy he wants. Maybe it's not all his choice, but we'll we'll give him some some a major voice in this.
0: You know, it's, I, I, it's, a, it's a slippery slope, Chris, because if you give them a voice and then you don't go with their guy, is that worse than if you never gave them a voice in the first place, right? Like it's, right. if you give them a voice, then you got a problem if you don't listen to them. You know, which by the way is why like the Texans, you know, they were, one, they were the only team that didn't request Eric Bienemy during right. that first week, mm-hmm. during the bye week, yeah. you know that that's the guy Deshaun Watson wants. Or it's been reported at least. At least, yes. How are you the only team that doesn't at least interview him? In that case, Chris, it's like they went and asked him. He said they wanted his input. He gives them their input, and then they're the only team? that doesn't interview that guy. It's almost like you're going out of your way to say, (laughs) we don't care what you think. We're we're the ones running this place, not you. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and they hired a general manager in between. And, of course, is still was with the Chiefs and the the rule about uh, there's some limitations about how you can interview when your team is in the playoffs. But it creates an interesting situation. A a thumbnail here. What do you think Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, how do you think that's going to work out?
0: Well, he is in just about as good of a situation as you can go to. You know, he's going to get one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in years and have him on a rookie contract on the cheap for five years. The Jags have oodles of other draft choices. They have tons of cap space. They have a very patient owner. And it's a winnable division, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you get to the AFC West... That's rough. With Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and and the Chiefs, that is rough. In the AFC South, that division is there to be had. You know, who knows what will happen with the Colts quarterback situation. The Texans are a mess. The Titans just lost their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. The AFC South is very winnable. So, I think he's got a great opportunity. Um, And I think think it's going to go well. I think it'll either go very well. Or very poorly. I don't think that there will be a middle road. But his track record, man. And I know it's college. But right. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. People thought I was nuts. I, I tweeted last week at Ross Tucker NFL. I think that he will have a, a, a decent argument for being the best football coach ever if he wins a Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Now, listen, Chris, I'm not saying that he will be the best coach ever, but to my knowledge, he'll be the first one to win it all at three different places, Florida, Ohio State, and with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He will have done it both college and the NFL. He will have proven he can do it multiple times at the same spot because he won two in Florida. I give him a lot of credit for the Bowling Green in Utah – Turning both those around in one year, and most importantly, he will have won a Super Bowl with the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yes, I mean yes. the Jacksonville the one in fifth. First of all, I don't think he's going to win the Super Bowl with Jacks. I don't think that's happening. But if it does, I actually think he's got a decent argument.
1: I know that's a good point. And if you you know Jimmy Johnson, I was trying to think in the last college coach directly from college right that had the success I mean there have been guys you know Nick Saban had he stayed longer with the Dolphins I think he would have had success but he was more comfortable in the college game but yeah Jimmy Johnson Pete Carroll they, they won college football championships but not in different places like you're talking about and if he gets it I think he'll be successful in the NFL because he he stepped back he observed he waited he, he wants to hire NFL people and he's a good uh, delegator of men uh, understands uh, sizing of situations. Uh, so that'll be a fun thing to, to watch. It'll make Jacksonville already the season ticket sales. I saw, you know, went sky high for Jacksonville, uh, which is something you can't say. Now, a lot of that may have to do with who they drafted at, at quarterback. The game this week, uh, both of the championship games, and they're both, at least oddsmakers, see them as close games. So you're going to be working, uh, you know, and I I call NFL games for Fox, have done sideline work in the playoffs and a number of Super Bowls, uh, six or seven Super Bowls, including the last time when the Chiefs beat the 49ers here uh, and the last time Brady won uh, or at least was in a Super Bowl and rallied to beat Atlanta in that particular game because they, they beat the Rams afterwards, which we did not have. So uh, you've called games in the booth. I've heard you on, on uh, Westwood One Radio uh, as, as well as we talked about TV uh, sidelines kind of fun, right? You should you should enjoy this atmosphere no, no matter how often you get on the air, because it really is a limited role, as you know, compared to the other roles.
0: Yeah. So a couple, a couple thoughts. One is I was in the booth Saturday night for bills Ravens. I got to tell you, Chris, I almost forgot from this season how awesome fans are and how much of a difference the energy is. You know, I did a bunch of games this year college and NFL where there wasn't a single soul on the stands, not, not a single person in the stands. And Buffalo only had sixty seven hundred. That was I tweeted this. That was the loudest sixty seven hundred people in the history of the world. I mean, it. I, I can't. T- <laughs> I mean, the Ravens were getting false starts. It was no, no. they. Not one of them sat down the entire time. It was. I, I, it was unbelievably impressive. So that was incredible. So now Sunday for the AFC Championship game. This would be the first time Westwood One this season is having a sideline reporter, sideline duty. But my understanding is, I think it's been this way with television all year, that we're not
1: actually allowed on the sideline. Right, you have to be that- in that. Mote have you area. Done, oh, Chris, you've been in yeah. the booth the whole time. Have you done sideline at all? Yeah, not this year, but our reporters have had to be, they call it the moat area. You're kind of in the front row of, uh, of the stands behind the team that you want to be. And the hard part is if you only have one sideline reporter, they can't run around to the other side, which normally is, is what you would do. So you're not quite on the field, but you're, you're close, as you've seen in the post-game interviews, how they do it. Now, I don't know how they're doing it for your radio situation. Maybe you can get a little bit closer. I'm not sure.
0: Well, so I'm the only one doing it and you know, there's not, we don't have two Okay, and I'm sure it's, you know, in large part for the post game interview and stuff. And that's cool. Right. But you know, just like you, when I'm, when you're on sideline, you usually follow the ball. I mean, you're usually right. down near where the ball is because you want to see what's going on and comment on what you're seeing and hearing. This will be my first experience I I guess essentially sitting in the stands and I'm not going to like walk up and down the boat. I mean, I'm just going to sit in like the second or third row and watch the game. I'm trying to figure out Chris, whether I'll be able to order a beer and hot dog (laughs) from where I'm sitting, because I'm not, I'm not about to like stand up the whole time or walk or like, I think I'm just going to sit there in the third row and just offer my observations from row three.
1: (laughs) Right. No, that's how you'll have to do it. But you, you're in a little bit of a different role because you, as a former player and an analyst, you, you can, and that's what they do a nice job with on on Westwood one. You, you have input in the flow of the game with, with those that are in the, in the booth. I believe Ian Eagle is, is is going to be calling it upstairs, but yeah, you'll basically have a little table uh, set up. And And I'll tell you, having, having done that before Ross, what, you know, what you miss when you're limited like this, like the situation now is even though you can't directly quote, uh, players uh, by moving back and forth and around the bench, you, and obviously we can get cameras to see, or you can describe for radio, what guys are doing if they're frustrated or, but you, you hear certain things that you, that alert you to what's going on. All right. Are guys having a disagreement about certain play, past plays, you know, or is the defensive, you know, the line, the, the line coach upset with one guy on the end because, and you can relay that information so you can enhance the broadcast. That's kind of a, a missing element, but, uh, for In your case, you're kind of really a a second analyst, right? They allow you that kind of freedom in the flow of the the Westwood One broadcast.
0: It's really, really cool. Really cool. Uh, It's really just a a second perspective, second set of eyes from a different vantage point. And I actually think it works out best. Um, You know, Tony Baselli is going to be in the booth on Sunday, and Tony's great. But I think that there's a lot of value when – I've done a lot of games on sideline when it was either Boomer Esiason or Kurt Warner in the booth. And those guys really tend to focus on receivers, secondary, coverage. I think then you provide a lot of value when I'm looking at the O-line, D-line because that's just not where quarterbacks' eyes naturally go. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's interesting, I'm a little surprised – and i'm not trying to get uh you out of a job chris but i'm a little surprised <laughs> that television networks don't hire more former players for sideline duty because i feel like former players can handle the interview and can handle the inj- injury stuff observation stuff but also you know provide some analysis you know where especially if the guy in the booth is a quarterback or whatever Provide a different perspective, but they just seemingly have never really wanted to go that route. Or maybe they just now that I'm talking with you about yeah. it, I can think of a couple. High-profile examples, one in particular that didn't go very well. So maybe right. that's yeah. why they haven't
1: R- done. Well, no, I was going to step in on that. Yeah, right. And we don't have to name names on that, but some of the guys that that, that that are the big stars. I mean, you worked your way up, Ross, through just like you did as a player through the trenches. So, and, and I think to do that is look sideline reporting, as you know, especially on television, where the limited time you, you put in a lot of work and and you get limited chances, and it's easy to it's more it's easier to foul it up than to get it right. You know, in terms of information. But I I agree with you. If you if you you find former players and it is a good point that put the time and the energy into to to learn the broadcast uh, technique of getting in 20 seconds and out and in between the snap of the ball, uh, their knowledge. But they have to be broadcasters as well as former players, something that you've done and and the good ones have done in the the booth. But the sideline is a kind of a kind of a different area there. Uh, What what do you see in this game at the time we're talking uh, and obviously the concussion protocol? for uh, Patrick Mahomes will will determine whether he's going to go or not. But just in general, let's take the, the Buffalo Bills. I called a couple of their games this year. was was really fascinated with them, and I've covered Josh Allen. Really, uh, since he's coming to the league, I've done two or three of his games each year, and I, I see that he's gotten better. Um, it changes everything in your mind if Mahomes is, is going or how healthy he is. Is that is that your view going in?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the thing I think is really interesting about it I, I think I expect him to play. None of us really know, but I, I think he'll probably play. I, I, I haven't seen it yet, Chris, so maybe I'm mistaken, but I feel like there's some people out there that saw him woozy and saw him stumbling on his feet on Sunday that are going to have a problem with him playing a game a week later. I, you know and I'm not saying that they're football haters I'm not I'm not going there but I think that there are some people that don't believe a young man that was wobbly and knocked woozy should play a pro football game a week later and I I guess it's uh, far be it for me to say that they're wrong I mean I I can see why people would feel that way. I well, really you,
1: can. And not to interrupt you, but look, we, I heard people saying as much as they loved Alex Smith and his story, his comeback with Washington, they, they were, watching him in the last few games and they're like, Oh, I, I cringe every time he went back to pass, he shouldn't be out there playing. But yeah, then you hear him talk and his wife and his family and, and that's something if medically he's cleared and wants to do it. But in this case, Ross, really the, the NFL concussion protocol, and even Andy Reid said that it's in their hands. The, the, the Chiefs may have a choice after he gets through all that if he's cleared, but they don't really have a choice in this, at least to start. And really neither does Mahomes, right? Based on the, on the, on the medical. Uh, no, you're, it's a good point. Cause once it goes that, and, and that's the thing I feel good about now
0: is once it's in the hands of an independent neurologist, then there's no bias, you know. I'm fine with it. Whatever they decide, then it is funny. Um, I'm from a really small hometown. It's it's wild missing Pennsylvania
1: and why you're uh, it sounds yeah. like why you're missing is what it's, where, where well, what is that be? i know a little bit about pennsylvania is that anywhere near what, what's about penn state yeah philly, it's, it's which, an
0: hour west of philly okay okay
1: it's an hour west of philly it's uh the the, the
0: big city is Reading. it's a okay. suburb of Reading. if you can <laughs> right. have a suburb of Reading, it's a <laughs> suburb of Reading. it's an hour okay. west of philly and the funny thing is i always joke i was the most famous person from why missing for like six years. And then this girl named Taylor Swift hit the music scene. Oh, yeah, and, heard uh, of her. Yeah, I okay. kind of got obliterated by her. <laughs> but the reason why I bring it up is, you know, we graduated with 140 people. So to see on Sunday, now Chad Henney, in all fairness, went to the Rival High School, which is a bigger school, but Chad Henney's from Why Missing. And then in the night, in the night game, Alex Anzaloni's from Why Missing. So to sit there on Sunday, I was having a beer watching yeah. two guys that I've known. I mean, I've known Alex since he was like five, and Chad since he was 15. Watching them out there, it was cool. And in particular, I was just thrilled for Chad to make the most of that opportunity. You know, he hasn't started in forever. He, you know, and had never played in the playoff game. You know, that that now will be what people will remember about him for the rest of his life. You know, that he came yeah. in. And got done, especially after he had that terrible interception. Right, right. I'm so glad that he was able to make those two plays through. I mean, literally, Chris, I used to work out with his dad. I mean, his dad's a big dude. His dad used to work out in the same place I did. And I used to like work out with it. And when he was like in seventh or eighth grade, his dad would tell me, My son's pretty good. I'm like, Yeah, I'm sure he's great. You know, everybody tells you how good their sit their kid is. Well, turns out he wasn't full of crap, his kid's really good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the What do you see to the key? Let's just remove the quarterbacks for a moment. Uh, we know Buffalo has not run the ball with great success. The Chiefs did a nice job without Hilaire, the rookie in there. How, what, do you, what do you see as the key in this game? How do you expect this game to go?
0: Yeah, um, the thing is, is the Bills, they only had 220 yards against the Ravens. Now, they had that pick six, which was huge, but they didn't move it great. The week before, they couldn't stop the Colts. The Colts had their season high, 472 yards. So it, it's a little bit weird because I have an affinity for Buffalo. I played the most up there, longest stint of my career. But in a weird way, I don't feel like they're playing that great, but they're finding ways to win. I think pretty clearly if if Mahomes doesn't play, I like the Bills. Yep, okay. If If he does play, I like the Chiefs in a close game. It's hard for me to find a scenario though that the bills win the game uh, other than Josh Allen being superhuman, his arms, his legs he's going to have to be a superhuman because i I don't think the
1: bills are going to be able to slow down the chiefs that much if Mahome's plays so we'll watch for that on being again, let's give the offensive line a little love on the side of the Packers because they did a great job against the what was really the best defense at least going in the NFL uh, the Rams and and they even had injuries on that on that line. So simplify for us: uh, is it is it the scheme? Obviously, you have to have players. And we know about the great linemen that jump out at you, but boy, they just plugged in guys and and uh, and did a did a good job. They didn't even have Jared Valdez, who they picked up and hoped to get into the game. What what makes that Packer offensive line? And does it have a lot to do too with Rogers and and how he operates, getting rid of the ball?
0: Well, he's done a much better job this year operating within the structure of the offense and getting rid of the ball he had gotten this tendency the last couple years to try to extend plays and make the big highlight play this year he's much more if you noticed just throwing the ball from the pocket it's not as much of the running around and whatever it's it's in the structure of the offense they have two studs that are still healthy. The center, Corey Lindsley's very good. The left guard, Elton Jenkins, is awesome. Like, he can play all five. He's very, very good. So when they have Bakhtiari, they've got three legitimate all-pro type of guys. But I'm so impressed. I mean, if you would have told me Billy Turner and Ricky Wagner yes, would be the starting tackles right. for a, a, a Super Bowl team, which seems like it's very possibly the case. That's why this game against Tampa is so interesting, because here comes JPP and Shaq Barrett. We'll see if Wagner and Turner can hold up against those guys.
1: Yep, I think it'll be good. And uh, on the other side, yeah, Alton Jenkins did a a really good job. Uh, How how do you see this game going? People favor the Packers. They say the weather won't be an issue because Brady has been through this as a Patriot quarterback but a lot of the buck players like this is their first time in the playoffs since 2007 and just they they're not used to and they have not had to play in a lot of a lot of cold weather they had a trip to Washington but it wasn't that bad so h- how do you see the bucks team and what what amazed me about their win uh, against the Saints, their defense really won that game. I mean, Brady's Brady. He was smart. He didn't turn it over. But I think their defense, Russ, and you tell me, is coming together at, at the right time. And I don't know how they're doing it in the secondary because I know Winfield's a fine young player and Davis could cover it. But even when they had injuries, somehow they held up. And I thought that was a, an area that the, you could attack and take advantage of.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if Antoine Winfield Jr., who, and I play with his dad in Buffalo, always makes me feel old. Yeah, wow. Okay, If Antoine Winfield Jr., doesn't punch that ball out from Jared Cook. I think the Saints win the game. I mean, it was twenty to thirteen, New Orleans. They were in Bucks territory to get to go up by two scores. That was by far the play of the game in my mind. I like the way the Bucks are playing right now. Um, look, I, I just said this. I just recorded the Even Money Podcast, which is my betting podcast. I like the Bucks getting the three and a half points as it is as we talk right here because. I do think they can win it. I do think it'll be a close game. So I like getting a little bit more than a field goal there. But you can't really predict turnovers like that. Right, right. You know, I mean, they yeah. won the turnover battle for nothing. If that happens again, Chris, I guarantee the Bucks win. <laughs> but yep. none of us know whether or not right. they're going to be able to win that turnover battle like that again. So I think I, I lean towards Green Bay winning a close one. Like I said, I like the Bucs. If you can get three and a half points, But if we're talking straight up, I think that the Packers win a close one. I I really do believe both these games are going to be awesome. It's right now a total of six points on the spread in the two games combined, which is awesome. I mean, it looks like on paper, at least we should get two awesome games.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. You It's up to the Buccaneers for years, and they haven't been in the playoffs, so it hasn't been on a big stage. But they had, they had ever since uh, Matt Bryant left, the field goal problems. They went through kickers, and they found somebody in Ryan Suckup, the uh, former uh, chief who's also, I think, with Tennessee. He's been really steady for them in the playoffs, and those field goals, they, they've they been automatic, and, of course, Mason Crosby. So it looks like that kind of game, Crosby's been so steady for for Green Bay. I, I do want to go back for a moment and, and ask about Jared Goff and, and some things that have come out after. Words just, okay, he may not, they may not be on the same page, which is odd because him and McVay, even though he didn't draft him, uh, those two have been together and went to a Super Bowl and been to the playoffs three out of the four years. Where, where do you see him? Is he a good quarterback, not a great one? I mean, is he, is he fall in that Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan category just earlier in his career? And, and is that a problem for, for the Rams going forward to have a good defense, as you know, and, and are a team that we're used to seeing now uh, around the postseason?
0: You know, it's perfect timing, and I'm going to lean on what he said because I thought he, he described it perfectly, and that's Dan Orlovsky, the ESPN analyst, was on the Ross Tucker uh, football podcast this morning.
1: And, and Orlovsky, by the way, a, a career back, but a terrific uh, analyst. There's a guy you talk about uh, could do a sideline and give you analysis. Yeah. Uh, he's terrific in the way he breaks things down and delivers it, and helps us all understand those who, who haven't played the game just as those who have. But I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. So he um, he said it really well, I thought. Jared Goff doesn't give you any of the bonus plays, extra plays, that Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, that those guys do, right? Like, he's not going to give you anything above and beyond what the offense is granting you she doesn't get any extra credit doesn't give you any bonus and you can win that way but you can't be giving the negative plays then too and so he had stretches this year where he was turning the football over so you think about like the best quarterbacks who I already named they're giving you those bonus extra plays the positive plays but they're not giving you the negative plays hardly any turnovers Goff doesn't give you the positive, the extras, but he was giving you the negative. You can't have it. You, you can't have that. If you're if you're not going to give the positive, you can't have the negative. And I think that's where the Rams kind of are with Jared Goff right now. Although, you know, I think his dead cap would be $34 million oh. if they moved on from him. So I don't really foresee them doing that. I would imagine they try to see what they can, can do with him this upcoming year. And if it doesn't work after that, perhaps in 2022, they would move on from him. Maybe they give themselves a better alternative for 2021 in terms of a backup.
1: Yep. And while we're a couple of things before we let you go, uh, since you do college games as well and and know the NFL, uh, we figure you mentioned Urban Meyer and, what they'll do with that first pick, right? You think they'll they'll take the the obvious choice there? Uh, yeah, give me your your top three. You feel Justin Fields has declared. Uh, we, Zach Wilson from from Brigham Young. We're getting a all. Of it. How, how do you see the quarterback order fall? I know it's early in the, in the draft, but looking at Jacksonville, the Jets, the Dolphins as the top three, and then you have the Falcons and even the Lions are in there in the top ten. You've got Carolina. Some teams that might want to draft a quarterback and then have guys like Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford where they could still play and get it done. But if you're either reshaping or rebuilding, where do you go from here? So what are your thoughts on the, the, maybe let's say the top three in the order they'd go in the college game uh, with, you know, Lawrence, obviously we're assuming number one.
0: Yeah. So Lawrence is one. uh, I, I actually think I would go Zach Wilson too. And that's hard to say after the way fields played so well in that Clemson game, which was absolutely ridiculous, Uh, But I had, you know, there were a number of times this year I felt like Justin Fields held on to the ball too long. You know, certainly the Indiana game, the Northwestern game. um, Even against Alabama, there were times where I didn't think he had a great feel for when to get rid of the football. And Zach Wilson, I mean, you watch some of the throws that he makes. Zach Wilson actually reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. Like the throws that he's capable wow. of making, um, it's crazy. I mean, the ball explodes off his hand. I'm no quarterback guru, <laughs> but I've seen the video of some of the throws he's made, and it's crazy. I mean, it, it's like bananas. And so for that
1: reason, I really think uh, I, I probably would go Wilson. Okay, and then uh, just the best hire uh, of the head coaches that we know, Robert Sala with the Jets, or the, the one that you like. It, it, it's funny we can't grade them because we these guys haven't been able to do anything yet. But just going in, you talk other than Urban Meyer, which we talked about in Jacksonville. I, I thought you had an interesting point of view on that. Chargers with Brandon Staley, the Lions. Dan Campbell hasn't made that official yet. Uh, Philadelphia could be Josh McDaniels. We're waiting on Philly and Houston. But uh, what you've seen other than Urban Meyer, which one? Which one do you like? You think that'll He'll do a a good job.
0: Yeah, I I really do like a lot of the hires. Um, I think Staley's a stud. uh, But I'm going to go Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Wow. And I'll go Arthur Smith because my last year as a player, it was his first year as a coach. And we were together in Washington with Joe Gibbs. I was very impressed by him. He just has such a great way about him. Mm. I've talked with him Mm -hmm. before a lot of Titans games over the years. He really grinded, man. For 10 years. He was like quality control. He was tight ends coach maybe at the end. You look at what he did with Derrick Henry the last two years. You look at what he did with Ryan Tannehill the last two years. I love his background as a walk-on offensive lineman at North Carolina. Arthur Smith, I'd be
1: surprised if he doesn't do well in Atlanta. That's a cool one. And Arthur Smith, and quietly, you always respect this, Ross, uh, the son of Fred Smith, the founder of FedEx, So you think, you know, he'll deliver. I'm sure he will. Uh, (laughs) Hey, you set me up on that one. You you know what, you know
0: what, Chris, you would never know his family background talking to him. That's right. I I didn't know it was months after I've been talking to him every day, you know, on scout team or whatever, when someone said, you know who that is? I'm like, No, it's Arthur. <laughs> no, yeah, they're like that's Fred Smith's son. I was like, wow, you wow, would yes. never know by talking to him.
1: That's what I've heard about him as a coach, and you couldn't tell he worked his his way up. And uh, FedEx is a is a terrific and a well run company. I well, I wish we had more time, but we'll do this again. So we got the Ross Tucker football podcast. We'll we'll hear you on the game. You'll learn different things, like like uh, you were a Swifty, or at least you came uh, from the <laughs> same high school as you. And I, I give your up. Um, sorry, your uh, your Twitter handle. And if people also are interested in the betting, what's that? Uh, give that again for, for the yes. Yeah, so listening?
0: social media. Is at Ross Tucker NFL so Twitter Instagram Facebook even YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL and then uh, the betting podcast is even money podcast I think this is the uh, fourth out of five years where I finished the year in the money in the black so if okay. you like to make the games a little <laughs> more interesting it
1: definitely does that so check out the even money podcast for sure All right, we'll listen for that, and we'll listen for you, and we'll talk again soon. As always, Ross, you've come a long way. Proud you're doing just fine and enjoying it. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Chris, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Ross Tucker with us on CMI, the Chris Myers interview on Podcast One. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.